Welcome to 5 Strike Weekly. LA United are in danger of going out of the MLS's back tournament. We break down the match against FC Cincy. We also update you on the Atlanta United news and take a dip into the mailbag to answer your burning questions. All that and more coming up. Welcome to the show, 5 Strike Fam. I'm AJ and this is Tanner Remark. And wherever it is you get your pods, subscribe, share, and leave us a good rating. This segment is sponsored by Thinking Man Tavern, a cozy Decatur neighborhood pub. Grab a tasty beverage from a wide variety of selections and a plate of something delicious from the menu. To go, check out Thinking Man Tavern. Follow our Twitch for new streams and surprises on Tuesdays and Thursdays starting at 9 p.m. on twitch.tv slash ATLUTDFanTV. LA United have been shut out in two consecutive matches for the first time in its history. Now, that's not the worrying stat, but losing against FC Cincy definitely is. And uh, yeah, 1-0 loss. It's really, uh, yeah, throughout most of it, very not pretty. First 20 minutes, no shots on goal from either side. But uh, yeah, then in a span of about 12 minutes, Jake Mulraney, he gets two yellows. And the game changes completely. And uh, apparently through uh, Frank de Boer's uh, words, he says that the plan had gone completely overboard after that. So, you know, it's uh, definitely uh, a match that may live in infamy for a lot of uh, LA United fans. Because losing to a club that hadn't won in 16 of its last 17 matches, definitely not the best look. But uh, it is, yes, something that uh, we will have to overcome. But, yeah, just kind of quickly going through, uh, you know, the match. We talked about the first 20 minutes. After that, uh, after Mulraney went off, uh, that yeah, let's talk about, you know, actually the first uh, foul, which was completely reckless and needless, uh, just going in and uh, arguably could have been a red itself. How he stayed on the pitch, we might have been a little bit lucky. But um, yeah, you guys have any quick thoughts on uh, Mulraney's uh, foul there and what he was thinking, maybe? I thought it was pretty apparent very quickly that he was very uncomfortable defending. And I would agree with you. I think that there is a very good argument to be made that he could have seen a straight red card for his first tackle. And after that, I mean, it, it, honestly, it kind of seemed like it was just a red card waiting to happen. Just to pick up a yellow for something that reckless, that stupid, that early. You know, when he picks up the second one for what he does, it's not shocking at all. And the second one was just like, there's just moments in sports where you just go, what are you doing? And that was one of those moments where it's just like, complete face palm i'm shocked at what i just saw like that is just the dumbest thing yeah it was frustrating because moving on to that second foul i mean he basically uh was pulling down his man with a ball over the top that he might have been caught uh ball watching a little bit uh, for a second and then realized oh i'm in trouble i need to do something here but the fact is is he had a couple of defenders uh to his left that might have been able to recover for him uh, especially a Miles Robinson, who I think we see one on one, has been, uh, you know, just one of our crutches in the back, really. And so, uh, yeah, two very needless fouls. Uh, you want to kind of talk about your thoughts on that, Mark? Uh, for I think both of them, it just a pure forward challenge, as they say. You know, clearly an attacker playing in, de- in defense. I mean, that first one. 
It's uh, it looked bad live, and then when you see it close up, it's like he was leading with his studs, then he just clatters in with his whole body. Just a terrible challenge. Twelve minutes into the game too, so you can't even blame like fatigue or anything like that. And then uh, yeah, I mean like I think there's an element to which uh, FC Cincy targeted him because they went over the top uh, on his sideline. And, um, you know, I think a more experienced defender or natural defender would use their pace in that situation, try to get to the ball first, possibly earn a foul, but most importantly, like, see the ball out, see the danger out, get a corner, you know, lift to fight another day. Instead, he pulls him down. I mean, like, and he, <laughs> he gave him a hug. He gave him a hug. He gave him a backwards hug like this. Like, he literally had him like this. Like, yeah, a side hug, yeah. Terrible. It's you know, and so he's trying to argue that he's getting fouled or whatever. Never going to get that call. Not when you're doing that. And so it's just, um, yeah, just a fish out of water in that position on this day. And, uh, you know, I think it's one of those cases of, well, not even a, a case of heightened competition, you know, because maybe he's played that position before against, yeah, against FC Cincy in Nashville and Matagua. But maybe since he, uh, at him and said we can go after him and i mean uh you know it's not a team with a lot of attacking outlets to begin with so it's uh yeah so it was a big leg up for them and pr pretty usually disappointing from a late night perspective right i mean yeah definitely yapsam probably uh sg sensei's manager probably targeted that saw that uh and uh, yeah, in previous matches as well, and you know, was able to you know kind of locate that as an area that's yeah is a weakness uh, in a uh, kind of you know for them pretty listless attack as well. I mean, so we go down ten men. Uh, it's pretty much like a stalemate. Uh, they're not really wanting to come out. We're not wanting to come out. It looks uh, pretty boring and drab. For most of it, uh, as Frank de Boer said after the match as well, where, yeah, I mean, he was complaining about, uh, you know, playing at 9 a.m. In, in the heat in Florida, uh, in that humidity, but it, it is one of those things where, yeah, I mean, you know, I think other teams have been able to play in it, and uh, it's not an excuse to, uh, to be able to be had. Yeah, everyone's been playing in it, and... Uh, the goal differences in morning versus at night haven't really been all that different. So it's uh, it's something that uh, shouldn't have affected us. And uh, so uh, later on, Edgar Castillo comes on. And uh, yeah, I mean, I think he probably is what we maybe would have expected from the position. Being a little bit more solid, uh, making a lot of tackles, uh, kind of, you know, trying to drive forward from that position as well I think doing quite well and then yeah of course he gets uh, later on gets uh, perplexingly uh, subbed off after being subbed on the old infamous uh, sub on sub off uh, that's gotta be a little bit maddening as a player I'm sure too even if there's an explanation from the coach or not like that's uh, not a, the highest vote of confidence one would say and so uh, yeah and then I mean, he was pissed off. He yeah. was pissed off when he came off the pitch. He was frustrated. He didn't understand yeah. it either. And yeah. I mean, to be fair, I completely understand that because as far as left wing backs go, in the brief cameo he had, that was the best we looked at that position all season, whether it was Bello or Morani. He looked better than them at both. Right. And Definitely that's surprising to me. He was, he, yeah, he's more experienced. He was a bit quicker than I expected, to be honest, as well. Um, but I didn't understand why he came off because he offers you a defensive option that also can go forward and offer you pace. And he could clearly get back behind. Go like there's other people that could have come off at the end of the match. 
that you know you could have made subs for. I did not understand taking him off, especially when DeBoer turns around and says that Bellows is going to start next game. So it's just like, yeah, just, why did he come off? Exactly. Uh, and yeah, for a player that came on and got sent off, by the way, because that's who he was subbed off for. Right. And so uh, also, yeah, looking at uh, the lineup. Uh, speaking of George Bellow. Uh, because he was a very surprise uh, kind of exclusion from the entire 18 uh, or 20, I guess, in, in this instance. Um, yeah, it, it is definitely, you know, his comments afterwards about saving him for, for Columbus. I mean, yes, he did have the adductor injury and, you know, had the surgery last year. And so, okay, maybe I understand a little bit of uh, kind of, um, you know, trying to save him a little bit but uh it is he he is still a kid as well he is uh i'm sure got um you know his legs under him he probably um has recovered fully already anyway after the, such a long layoff um but you know that's the least of our problems i feel like uh, in george bellow not being included uh you know, you, you have the likes of uh, Ezekiel Barco and P.T. Martinez not having the best match, our, our most technical players, and really just not uh, kind of maybe, I guess, showing their price tags in a match against uh, one would say lesser competition. But uh, yeah, I mean, at the end of the day, still, FC Cincy, uh, they get that moment of magic as they grow into the match. And that's the, uh, the worrying part when you let uh, what most would say an inferior team back into the match, uh, especially encouraged after that red card, uh, encouraged that, uh, you know, we're really not mustering much of anything uh, except for, uh, you know, an Ezekiel Barco outside of the boots shot uh, that goes a little bit wide. Uh, that was maybe our most dangerous chance uh, for a while. And, um, yeah, so, you know, you, you get to, to halftime, nil-nil. Um, you know, it, it must be like... <laughs> The, the team talk that must have happened uh, between Frank DeBoer and uh, his players. I mean, I don't, I don't know what could have been said, but uh, it, it arguably looked worse even in the second half uh, at times. I mean, you just, uh, you know, really slow to, to reacting to anything. Obviously, you aren't going to press at that point. It's uh, definitely, uh, you know, I think they would say... It, that heat was a factor for them that they didn't want to uh, maybe um, exert all that energy. But I think, should they have gone for it though? Should they have, uh, you know, maybe realized there's like nothing to lose here? Yes, you know, there's, uh, you know, the possibility of drawing or losing here. But, you know, should they have uh, tried to, you know, throw them in forward even with 10 men? Because knowing that FC Cincy, you know, their danger going forward, uh, we could still stuff it out with uh, the defenders that we have in the back. Tanner. I mean, honestly, like, I would have left Adam John on the pitch mm -hmm. in terms of, I wouldn't have subbed him off because, you know, he's, first off, Atlanta United going forward, if Joseph Martinez isn't in the side, it's just dreadful. Or has historically not been that good. You know, as Frank DeBoer's manager, they've been worse. And this year, you don't have another striker that can play up there. You don't have a Tito Vijalba. Um, you you know, who's which is who Tata would play um, at times up top. So it's just like you don't really have anyone that can play that position. And he's the only person that can. And it's just a different way to how you're usually playing. And he doesn't really fit DeBoer's system, but DeBoer's system doesn't work anyway. 
So, you know, even if we had Thurman forward without Adam John on the pitch, who was direct, who when we're crossing the ball into the box, you'd think having a tall player who can attack it and is good at doing that sort of thing would be the person you want in there instead of a bunch of guys who are five foot nine. But unfortunately, when United tried attacking and just cross, started crossing, there was no one there. And so it's just like, you can try to go forward, but you don't have the people available to you to go forward. And then the person you do bring on gets themselves sent off and barely kicks a ball. So it's just like, right. even if they did go for it, they don't have the options there that they used to. And there's not really anyone on the bench that could have gone up there and helped them make a difference because too often, you know, PT and Barco don't create things by themselves like, say, a Miggy did or even a Tito did. Right. And yeah, that's where uh, an Adam John maybe could have brought the others into the game if he had... Uh, you know, knock down the ball for them, and then maybe they could run in behind. But uh, it just seemed like that just wasn't uh, part of any of the plans. Uh, it seemed like it was a hit and hope after that, uh, completely, very much uh, bereft of a lot of ideas beyond crossing the ball into the box, kind of errantly for most of it. Um, and then, yeah, yeah, like you were saying, JJ Williams, uh, maybe showing a little bit of immaturity here. Uh, you know, kicking out uh, when he definitely didn't need to. Already 10 men, you know, and it's just, uh, yeah, compounding uh, the, the misery here. But, um, yeah, and so, you know, moving on from that, uh, you know, FC Cincy's goal, uh, I think something needs to be talked about here in that, um, yeah, I've, uh, I've said this time and time again in that, yeah, Brad Guzan, I think, reacts very poorly and slowly to shots from distance. Uh, I think you've seen that from Aronson. You've seen that from uh, what Benazé, or uh, I believe I believe Benazé from uh, Toronto. Uh, Both goals really against Toronto. Yeah, um, and then Kubo uh, against FC Cincy earlier on this year, and then this shot from Frankie Amaya. And uh, yeah, I mean, I like I said in the uh, the live watch along on Twitch. Um, yeah, like he. He doesn't hit it top bins. It's not an incredibly, uh, you know, just unstoppable hit. It absolutely is savable. Uh, you can see Brad Guzan still stepping forward. He just gets caught off guard, and he's flailing at it at the end when I think he very well could have saved this uh, with some fingertips and whatnot. So it's, uh, it's one of those, uh, this match is avoidable, in a lot of areas, uh, and even yeah, it's the closing down in midfield uh, has been a problem as well. Uh, previously against Kubo, it was a combination of uh, Heinemann and Walks, and in this case, it was Larry losing his man and uh, you know allowing him to get on the other side of him, and uh, you know Amaya just getting a shot off. So uh, you know it, it's just compounding uh, things that we are kind of. Uh, doing it to ourselves i mean it's just mulraney uh with the the yellow cards um you know just perplexing coaching decisions throughout i mean it just seems like uh you know the disjointed uh kind of nature of that first match against red bulls uh not only carried into this match but also um you know just the other compounding issues that we have but um can, can i also raise a point here yeah at what point Regardless of the situation, mm -hmm. do you just admit three four three doesn't fucking work with this team? Like, it doesn't. We we with what we have, 
we saw we've seen two different midfield two combinations in the last two matches. But on the whole, when we play this formation, doesn't matter who's in without Darlington Nagby, who mind you, this team struggled to play three four three with Darlington Nagby. Now you're going to try and play it without, and clearly you have midfielders that can all do certain jobs. They just can't do a lot of jobs at the same time. So therefore, you need more of them to put together to complement each other. I do not see how we continue to persist with a two-man midfield like this, playing in a system where he has to get so much out of those two. And those two also, like, this is a system where you rely on everybody to be able to do their jobs efficiently and effectively and cover you when you're stepping out. That is not possible. That understanding is not there. And I just do not understand why continuing to play this formation over and over again is going to somehow get better because he's been trying for two seasons now, regardless of how much time he's had to work on the training ground. He's had time. It, it doesn't work. So like, yeah, please. Just, I want to see something different in the third game. Like I just want to see something different. That's just not shit that I can go. Okay. That wasn't terrible because right now our baseline after two matches is dog shit. Terrible. Yeah, zero goals after two matches, and uh, yeah, last in Group E. Uh, so yeah, we definitely have all to do. Uh, and this counts towards the regular season. Let's yeah, not forget that. It does. So like, as much as I deride this tournament, and I think it is stupid, and I think it's stupid that this counts towards the regular season, it still does, which is stupid, but it's the rules. So like, at least have decent performances or put something in, and there just looks to be nothing from this team right now. Right. Nothing. Yeah, and of course, yeah, the the built-in excuses so far are yes, there's uh, you know four-month layoff, uh, three-month uh, off-season. Um, you know, you have uh, a whole bunch of new players coming in, and uh, you know, FDB is still trying to get them all on the same page. We don't have Jose Martinez. Uh, you know, it's it's definitely yeah. There are all of these things are factors. Uh, but at the end of the day, it is also a coaching staff's responsibility to make that all cohesive and get that done as quickly as possible. Uh, you know, and so, you know, talking about that midfield you're talking about, I mean, uh, Mark, do you have any thoughts on how we can, uh, maybe, you know, solve that Nagby, uh, replacement issue? Uh, maybe it's through, uh, you know, buying another player. Maybe it's through the combination of, uh, several players on the team kind of uh, carrying the production load. What do you think? It has to be uh, com- finding the right combination of players. It's just uh, coaching staff's been at this for, you know, obviously when the season started and then, you know, during the break, in the unexpected break, you know, they've had time to plan for this, but it doesn't seem like they're any closer to fit to finding a solution. I don't necessarily like know at this point what the right combination midfielders are i think we all uh <clears throat> i think we all much more or less understand the strengths of Rometty and hyman uh Hosetu has potential i think to be an effective uh final third player um you know somebody who can uh combine with the forwards but um yeah i mean i i don't i don't really know what the answer is i just you know the, the attack definitely has been toothless think you can see that you can see it in how teams approach us. I mean, certainly Red Bulls and Cincinnati, a pretty simple game plan of, uh, you know, just waiting to take their chance and then and not just stymieing at United, you know, not 
maybe pressing at points, but not pressing throughout the game. And then uh, they just took their chances when they came. So, um, yeah, I mean, like, there's just, there's no definable style right now. Um, I think at this point, we can all agree that there's really not an identity, even though that was controversial at one point. Um, I mean, it is what it is, you know? It's just, we don't know what the solution is, but it's really not my job to know that. It's DeBoer's, and I, you know, I don't really think he's been doing, I mean, holding up his end of it to this point. Yeah, and yeah, what we were referencing is, uh, yeah, Tanner's uh, article on Dirty South Soccer where he questioned uh, pretty much Atlanta United's identity uh, very early on. I think it was in February that you put out that article, right? And uh, and then Jeff Reuter, or Raider, Reuter? Reuter? Reuter. Jeff Reuter. Uh, I, get, I get it mixed up with uh, Reuters, the, uh, the yeah. news company. But anyway, Jeff Reuter uh, of The Athletic, he put out an article today and pretty much asking the same thing. Like, you know, the lack of identity in Atlanta United right now, I think that's what's rearing its ugly head is that, uh, you know, there is that kind of um, divisiveness within the uh, the team right now of, uh, you know, one thing, uh, like the continuity of what everybody knows and how, how to play and, like, how they want to play. It's just, it, it's apparent. There's... You know, too many uh, too many players look like they're in between minds, and so uh, you know, or you know, in the case of maybe PT, who's been yeah been given a free role and uh, at times looks uh, like the player that we uh, you know the price tag that we bought him for, but um, yeah, as Tanner hops out real quick and then hops right back in, hopefully, but uh, but PT, you know, I think for him, uh, you know, in that free role. There's something about him maybe not knowing where he needs to be. Uh, he just, yeah, didn't have the best match here. Uh, tripping over himself a couple of times. Maybe the turf had to do something with it because it was very dry, it seemed. But uh, either way, I mean, wasn't covering himself in glory. And uh, yeah, it just, uh, you know, at the end of the day, there's not a ton of positives to pull out of this, if any. But, uh, you know, we're trying to at least... Uh, break this down for you to, to you know, show what uh, I think we're seeing anyway in this match of, uh, you know, and recently. Uh, what's been going on with uh, the Five Stripes? And, yeah, I think it goes back to also, uh, like Tanner said uh, right before our, in our uh, pre-production meeting, it seems like it's been right after the U.S. Open Cup win. Uh, there's this kind of hangover of... Um, you know, just not the best play. I believe we're seven, six, and one since then, apparently. And so it's uh, yeah, very mixed results, uh, one could say. And so it's just, um, you know, we we haven't found our legs after that. It's it's definitely we need to we need to quickly, uh, because yeah, Columbus Crew is up next. It's gonna be very difficult as they have already topped the group. And uh, they have already advanced, and uh, that might be the one saving grace here. If uh, you know they are maybe uh, they move and checked out, and maybe might rotate. Possibly. Yeah, but uh, they, these do count towards the regular season, they though. Do. So I think they're with that. There's something at stake for them. But I mean, like if they want to win the tournament, they should probably rest a couple players. They're deep, though. I mean, there right. are players who didn't start last night who could have, you know. So, Indeed. be tough, I think. Right. Um, 
but yeah, so uh, kind of one more tidbit from this match, uh, just to show maybe how anemic we were in this uh, in their box for sure. It's almost like uh, if you've you know you've heard the saying "the floor is lava." If you've seen the Netflix show "The Floor Is Lava," uh, fantastic. Yeah, fan I want to do that show. <laughs> that show looks like so much fun. It would be a good team. Yeah, yeah, I think so. Uh, I think. Most of us, yeah, I think we, we, we'd be fairly athletic and, uh, yeah, we work as a team pretty the well. The long legs, so. I feel like, could be useful. Yeah, definitely. Uh, if you, if you've seen the show, <laughs> yeah, viewers, yeah, yeah on the uh, the chandelier part, I think Tanner would, uh, would rock that part. But uh, but either way, anyway, showing this graphic, uh, it pretty much shows how anemic we were in the box. Pretty much nothing. I mean, just uh, we were completely avoiding it like the floor was lava. And uh, that's... <laughs> really not how you want to try to score in uh, in this league. So, um, yeah. So that pretty much, uh, I think, uh, does it for this match, except for the uh, the post-match quotes a little bit on uh, and what was talked about. Um, yeah, we, we alluded to, I think, Frank DeBoer's uh, thoughts uh, on 9 a.m. matches and whatnot. Uh, he also talked about if, uh, you know, the player's mentality heading into the next matchup. Um you know, against Columbus Crew, he said, "Well, I'm satisfied with the character they showed today. Even with two men down, they showed character. I'm not worried about that. The character is there. We just have to do better and score goals. We saw some good things against Red Bulls. This was another opponent that dropped really deep, and we have to be patient. After 26 minutes, when you get a red card, then your plan goes overboard. If it was 11 v 11, I had a good feeling about getting a result. I mean, I, I think he probably has a fair point that 11 v 11, we probably have." and stand a much greater chance of uh, of winning this match. But uh, it still begs the question, who is going to score the goals? Because, um, yeah, I mean, yes, it, it has been, uh, you know, kind of the triumvirate so far early in the season, but they've been anemic through the last two games So uh, of uh, Heinemann, Barco, and Petey. So, um, and then, yeah, you didn't even see... Hyman really, uh, you know, come on here. So it's it's one of those. Could we have used him? I mean, that's that's one of those, uh, you know, kind of uh, third man run type of midfielders that could uh, come in late, score that goal. I mean, it's it's yeah. It just doesn't seem like we have any sort of plans of uh, you know how we want to play, like we've said. So um, Jeff Lorenowitz also talked about uh, this game and. Uh, let me find the quote here. He said, uh, what's at stake uh, for the, you know, getting back into the MLS's back tournament? He said, what's at stake is to hope to get through somehow with a win. Uh, obviously, it's a bit of a long shot, but that's what we have to do. We have to win this next game. The crew have shown to be a tough team, and we know it's going to be a difficult game. You're right that it's not like us to lose back-to-back -back games and towards the bottom of a group in tournament play. It's incredibly disappointing, but I think today was a situation that just doesn't happen often. You want to say some other stuff, but uh, I mean, yeah, this is uncharacteristic, and I think that's why a lot of people are down on this. Uh, a lot of fans are rather just depressed, uh, for sure. And uh, you know, it's just uh, it, it can be something that I think we can overcome. It's only you know two matches. I don't think this is uh, end of the world stuff, but it is. I think um, not a fatal blow, but it is definitely. A, uh, a very crushing blow, one one could say, uh, to our MLS's back hopes. Um, and then also Fernando Mesa, he talked about the yellow cards 
that uh, Jake Mulraney was given and also some of the other ones uh, throughout the match or maybe not given. Uh, he said they might they might have been given a they might have been fair yellow cards, but I also think the second half there was a similar play with one of their players where he should have been given a yellow from my understanding and he didn't do it. Uh, yeah, it seemed like uh, you know some pundits and also some players definitely had issues with how the game was called. I think we we noted during the stream that uh, yeah the the ref seemed a bit inexperienced at times. Uh, maybe did uh, maybe call some uh, some ones that maybe could have just been uh, in tournament play, just been let go. And um, but definitely Jake Mulraney's were absolute <laughs> yellow cards. It's just one of those things where um, you know I don't think it would have changed too much of the outcome as much as uh, the players were yeah griping about the calls. Uh, I think normally if I think uh, also yeah go ahead. I was going to say, like, I think part of it was that it was just a chippy, ugly match. I mean, yeah. he, there were a fair amount of yellow cards shown. And honestly, he could have shown more. You know, it's just, it gets into that weird territory where is the ref doing too much. But I think the players and the the game states maybe, I think, uh, has to take some responsibility for that. Yeah, no, very, very fair point. But um, yeah, so, you know, it's, uh, it's definitely one of those matches that just gets you talking to yourself a lot and... Uh, wondering what the the team's doing but uh you know hopefully there's a little bit of maybe what uh, for lack of a better word i think respite maybe in in uh in the the wake of this but um yeah so anyway wrapping up that match let's move on to the news and uh yeah some uh, some of the results around the league uh we saw orlando city beat nycfc 3-1 and they look uh you know, definitely much better than they ever have, for sure. And, uh, yeah, they have been the first one to advance. Obviously, they're in Group A, so, uh, I mean, they might be kind of louding the fact, oh, we're the first one to advance, but it is, yeah, you know, it's a schedule that it's each day you play, so it's not, like, something that uh, should be louded too hard. But uh, Philadelphia Union also look very strong. They beat Inter-Miami 2-1 uh, and also look to be advancing as well. Uh, you also have a crazy match between uh, the Whitecaps and the Earthquakes, 4-3. Uh, one of those matches that uh, we kind of wish that you know we see more often for the Five Stripes because I think we've uh, been missing those type of matches, those kind of back and forth goal fests. Um, I think maybe the last time we really really saw that was uh, you know in the Campiones Cup. Um, yeah, Toronto in the uh, in their Canadian Derby, there against uh, Montreal Impact also beat uh, them four three, and then uh, Columbus Crew. Yeah, they beat uh, our nemesis New York Red Bulls two nil, and they're looking like they have a stronghold not only uh, in uh, Group E but uh, they look really really strong. That you know some could say that they might be favorites. I mean, just between. The way Zardes is uh, is finishing, the way uh, Zalarian uh, is playing for them, and of course Nagby, our old friend, in uh, controlling their game, is just uh, yeah, obviously going into that uh, on Tuesday is very scary prospects. But uh, you know, in terms of those prospects, though, uh, five three eight have been saying that uh, yeah, the percentage of us in the probability of us making the last 16 in the knockout phase 
isn't actually as bad as we might think. It's at 21% for us. And uh, for context, FC Cincy is at 23. Uh, and then Man, or not Man City, NYCFC are at 20%. Uh, and so it's one of those things where, um, you know, we're just a few behind FC Cincy. It kind of speaks to maybe how uh, lowly FC Cincy is looked at. But, uh, you know, and then maybe the, the confidence in us from uh, just maybe sources outside of MLS. But uh, what, what are you guys' kind of thoughts on, uh, you know, that probability? And, you know, do we, do we have uh, an actual chance in this right now? Tanner. Uh, I think we're going to lose to Columbus, so I don't think it really matters what percentage chance they give us. I think Columbus are going to take care of business, but I'll save the details of that for our match preview. But I don't think the, I think the chances are zero because there's no way that we're beating the Columbus crew. Fair enough. Fair enough. Mark, what do you think? Yeah, I've, I can't live past the Columbus game for me because we would have to win. That's the thing. Like, so even a draw is not enough. And Columbus looked like one of the very best teams in the tournament. So like these projections are nice, but have almost zero faith that we're going to win that match yeah uh so yeah high hopes from uh from, <laughs> from tanner and mark here but uh, so uh also though uh, yeah the other kind of scenarios that allow us to advance basically is so we advance if la united we win against columbus crew on tuesday uh fc cincy and new york rebels they cannot draw uh, and that way we finish third, but uh, we also need help from the other groups that will be playing after us. So it's a uh, it's maybe if we win, we still have to wait and see, and that's uh, also not fun. But uh, you know, but if we are in that scenario, that would be yeah. I mean, I think we would all hope for for more LA United games. Um, but yeah, a draw between FC Cincy and New York Red Bulls, we're out. The goal difference. Uh, comes into play here as well. The first tiebreaker after wins is, uh, you know, that uh, that thing that will determine. And so, uh, you know, our at worst, if we win, is minus one in goal difference. If SC Cincy, they don't draw, Cincy's goal difference is at least, uh, or at, at best, minus four. And New York Red Bulls is at best minus two. So there is somewhat of an out if we just have a ton of help and uh yeah we we take care of business so you know we have to pretty much do a little bit of a miracle here but uh i think you know somehow uh you know there 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 is a there is a feeling i think within me that something might be able to happen but you guys i know i know you're feeling <laughs> you guys are uh yeah i feel you uh but uh so moving on from that and our chances uh, an Eric Lopez update from Frank de Boer. He was asked by the media and he said he knows nothing about Eric Lopez and says to ask Carlos Bocanegra. So, uh, yeah, it's definitely definitely some coach speak because it's been pretty much confirmed from a lot of places. So, uh, you know, we're kind of pretty much in that waiting game until August uh, when he pretty much is plan to be arriving in Atlanta. So uh, I imagine if uh, if we're out of the tournament, maybe the team kind of announces it as kind of a boost to the morale. But beyond that, uh, yeah, if we're still in the tournament, then I don't think we'll see an announcement for uh, a while. But 
Um, yeah, so the team, or also Emerson Hyman himself, he announced that he was one of the players who had COVID-19, uh, who tested positive anyway, and didn't show any symptoms. He said that he uh, was pretty much away from the team for two weeks, and uh, yeah, you wouldn't know it from the team and their uh, posting of photos because yeah, they're they're kind of really uh, sly in that way. They uh, they've been kind of uh, kind of through that through, throughout the history too. I think uh, you know anything that they've been you know needing to be coy about, they're coy about. So um, you know, we still don't know who the other person is. I I personally don't care, but uh, I know. There's been a lot of people that have been sleuthing all of the photos and the training shots and just trying to figure out, you know, which of the players. And I think some people had figured out that maybe Hyman was one of them. But uh, the other person is not as definitive, nor do we know. But uh, all related to COVID-19, uh, MLS reported yesterday uh, for uh, transparency, we are filming this on a Friday. Uh, MLS has reported zero positives out of 1,406 COVID-19 tests uh, administered at the MLS's back hotel over the last two days. So it seems like, yeah, the uh, the quarantine is working. It also, um, that includes staff, players, uh, coaches, the, uh, you know, the hotel staff and all that. And so uh, may that uh, kind of encouraging stat continue, uh, even in spite of, yeah, where they are in Florida, which is just madness. But uh, yeah, so uh, moving on from that, Joseph Martinez looks like he's uh, out to sea. But in this case, it's uh, it's maybe a good thing because he's getting that R and R. He's been uh, seen on boats uh, pretty much for the last month. We don't know which kind of uh, area he's been. We we've said like, okay, hopefully not Lake Lanier. But, uh, you know, it could be Lake Alatoona. Some uh, some Hawkeye viewers have, uh, have noticed. But, um, yeah, it just seems like he's getting that rehab and relaxation uh, that, uh, yeah, he clearly needs. And, uh, yeah, he, he looked a little bit, you know, he posted uh, a photo. And he looked a little bit sad maybe uh, at, our, uh, at our results. Because, yeah, I mean, he obviously, he's our spiritual leader, I feel like, uh, on the team. And, um, you know, it's probably tearing him apart that he's not there, but, uh, so moving on from that into a little bit of quick world football news, Real Madrid have pipped Barcelona for their 34th league title in their history. Uh, kind of probably annoying for maybe La Liga fans probably that, uh, you know, are sick of seeing Barca or, uh, <laughs> or Real Madrid win it. Do you guys have any quick thoughts on, uh, Madrid winning another one? Pretty much what four trophies? I think it's not shocking. Four years. Barcelona's yeah, Barcelona's in a really shit state um, right now financially, front office wise, playing staff wise, coaching wise. Obviously, they'll have a new coach next year, but I mean, who that will be? No idea. It's not going to be Xavi yet because he's not coming in with the current um, board in. But Real Madrid, as far as they're concerned, I mean, they have their own issues. Gareth Bale like did like looked like <laughs> minorly enthusiastic about winning the league title. But, he had no interest um, in raising up uh, Zinedine Zidane uh, in the kind of uh, yeah, you know, throws yeah, playing I, the, the coach uh, up in the air. They don't like each other very much, yep. but still for Zidane, you have to say that clearly he's an effective manager. I mean, he's won mm -hmm. the biggest trophies. He's won the league twice now, and he's got, what, three 
champions leagues and he still has a chance at this one depending on what the second leg comes out with man city so you know good he, he's really shown that he's an adept manager um and you know for real madrid clearly they're in a good place especially after selling cristiano ronaldo right yeah, and I mean, they have uh, Real Madrid does have a, a bit of a core there. I mean, some of the guys are a little bit older, maybe like a Modric. So they have some young guys coming through. This season in particular, they had one of the best defenses that, you know, they've had in a long time. Uh, I want to give a shout out to Thibaut Coutois, who's now won his fourth league title. He won one with Atletico Madrid, won two with Chelsea. And now he won one with Madrid. And he's been an important player, especially for how those teams played. Like I mentioned, uh, uh, Real's defense this year was pretty sturdy. So, uh, yeah, it's it's interesting. You know, it's like a, this may be the beginning of a five-year, ten-year reign for this Zidane, who, remember, left the club uh, quite suddenly. And then when they were in a bit of turmoil, came back. So... It's, uh, it's interesting. Yeah, it's definitely worrying times for Barca fans, that's for sure. Especially uh, amidst the uh, the words that uh, Messi said after their loss uh, against... Normally quiet. Yeah, exactly right. And uh, yeah, against Osasuna, against a 10-man uh, Osasuna, he, uh, he said, uh, We didn't expect to finish this way, but it sums up the year for us. We've been erratic and weak team who can be beaten with enough intensity and enthusiasm. We have lost a lot of points, which we shouldn't have done and have been very inconsistent. I mean, yeah, he's pretty much deriding uh, a lot of things. He's been on the outs with uh, the front office there as well. I mean, it's just, yeah, it's, uh, yeah. Uh, Messi also, you know, 33, it's going to be, yeah. Uh, it, it's not bleak for Barca, but it is definitely, you know, they need to... It ain't great. <laughs> yeah, they need to figure right. out what their future holds for sure. Uh, and then, so let's move on to the Prem real quick. Uh, the only note that I have is that Liverpool were beat by the worst Arsenal side in about 20 years. I will hang my hat on that for a while here because... I mean, this season has been bad for my Gunners, so it is. Uh, <laughs> we'll take a win against the league leaders anytime, uh, and especially against a side that had a shout as Invincibles. And yeah, it shows. Yeah, just how hard it is to be invincible, because yeah, all those uh, those draws that we were derided for. I mean, yeah, you know, we didn't have three losses, so it's one of them. Thanks. But uh, <laughs> you that's guys have the any only note from the Premier League. That's the only thought. That's the only thought. You guys have anything? <laughs> Just, you've got uh, Mark I mean, and I are team playing each other in the uh, FA Cup semifinal this weekend. Yes, indeed, indeed. That. There is then that. There's a, the top four race. You got uh, three teams all within a point of each other for the final two spots. Uh, gonna go right down to the wire. You have Leicester and Man U. That might be a play-in game for the Champions League on the final day. That all, uh, yes, is uh, is valid, but the only thing I care about uh, is the Liverpool and Arsenal <laughs> match because, <laughs> yo, my chances are not very high for uh, European spots, but, you know, we'll... Uh, we'll... But I, I think they look better under Arteta. I think next season, if there yes. can be some roster turnover, um, I think Arsenal could... Uh, maybe he's an outside challenger for top four next year. Yeah, there could be. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, we need we need that investment from uh, the owners, and uh, that historically has not been the case. So anyway, so that wraps it up all for the news and gets us to a little bit of housekeeping. In uh, that yeah, we have a Twitch channel like we've said, 
hang out with us on watch alongs for, on match days and then also on Tuesdays and Thursdays at 9 p.m. Tanner is playing as Atlanta United now in the Prem. So it's going to be really fun to see uh, how we fare against some of the best competition in the world. Uh, yeah, it's going to be a lot of fun. So join us there at twitch.tv slash ACLUCDFanTV. So uh, that gets us to the mailbag. Uh, you guys send any of these questions through IG story. Please continue to do so, and we might answer your question in the future. And first question comes from Mackenzie Monk. Uh, Mackenzie Monk 796 asks, Do you think when Jurgen Dom comes, he will automatically start or sub? Uh, Tanner, what do you think? Um, right now, I mean, it depends on how he fits in in training, obviously, but... I clearly think you need another forward player up there, but you need someone who can have a bit of an end product because that's what Atlanta United are struggling with. So, you know, that's been the consistent criticism of Jurgen Dom's game. So we'll see if he can add that to it here in MLS. But, you know, at this point, I think it's clear that Atlanta needs more depth and more attacking options up top. Yeah. Mark? Um, I don't think automatic start. He'll obviously be in the mix. Uh, keep in mind that we he comes in, so more than likely Eric Lopez will be there as well. So that will add depth to the attack. Um, I think right now he's fighting for sub minutes, though. But, I mean, you know, you never know. Right. And then, yeah, there have been suggestions that maybe a wing back would be a good possibility for him as well. Uh, what that does for maybe the likes of a Brooks Lennon uh, will remain to be seen. But, uh, yeah, who hasn't really been playing all that poorly. I mean, I think it's just uh, a matter of, you know, kind of the the end product landing on uh someone's feet or head and uh going into the back of the net but um next question comes from keaton thomas 61 uh keaton thomas 61 asks are you wanting to focus on the revised regular season or try to stay in the tournament now tanner uh, just focus on the season. I mean, at this point, I just want to see some progress in this third game. I don't think Atlanta will win, but I just want them to be less terrible. Um, and you just got to see whatever this revised season is and just try to get some founding, you know, foundation down, some building blocks to the future. Because on the whole, this whole season is going to be wacky and crazy. So just accept that it's not going to be normal and it might not be the best, but you just got to get some foundation set on where you're going and what you're building towards. And that's the most important thing. Mark. I think you just have to uh, take what's in front of you, you know? So right now we have the Columbus game. We don't know if Elena will advance. Um, we really don't know what the rest of 2020 is going to look like. For me personally, it's about performances. So like, uh, you know, like if we look much better versus Columbus, you know, whatever happens with the results or whatever, you know, I just want to, just want to see a team with clear ideas. Yeah. Uh, I, I definitely agree with all that. Uh, like I've mentioned uh, in previews and uh, Five Chart Weeklies, yeah, like that's been the thing that uh, we've wanted to see is, uh, you know, who can provide that end product for Atlanta United and the continuity of what we're trying to do. I mean, it's just, uh, it just really seems like uh, we're lacking that identity, like uh, someone was saying. Um, so, next question comes from Sheaves77. Why is FDB not moving to a 352? It worked last year. What is he so married to uh, 343, or why is he so married to 343? Uh, we'll go with uh, Mark on this one. Oh, I thought we were going to automatically throw to Tanner first. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> he seems like he has more thoughts about Okay. This. Tanner, go ahead. <laughs> I mean, I kind of talked about it earlier in the show. Like, 
I don't know what his whole plan is. I don't understand. I think that he clearly could consolidate his team by trying to have like the some of the parts, you know, be greater. And right now he's trying to play a bunch of individual players in these positions, and they're not. They're the parts are adding up much less to what they could be right now. And I think that if he organized things in a different way, and he could possibly get some more out of the players that he has, and maybe have a little bit better control of the matches, which I know is something he values. Um, so I have no idea why he's married to three four three, or why he seems just so unable to want to play with the back four either. Yeah, like ever. Well, uh, and so you know, maybe uh, if you could answer a question to the three five two bit, uh, why is he not moving to a three five two? Even though that might not be the answer, but uh, you know, to I think answer that three. Um, the reason why I'm saying the reason why he probably isn't going three five two is because he doesn't feel that he has the necessary or the required personnel to play with two strikers. Um, maybe if he wanted to play, if you have like a John and a Lopez, that could be potentially even a Lopez and a PT. That could be fine. Um, but even so, w- with how the three-five-two is kind of set up, um, I feel like he'd want Barco or PT to be in that 10 role a little bit further forward. And then again, you're almost playing a three-four-three again because you're not going to get that much from that front three defensively. So I don't think he has the personnel to play three five two. If you have a Joseph, you can really play whatever you want because he just gives you so much. But without that, I think you really have to think about building a strong base and building from that. And right now, the back three is all over the place, and the midfield is non-existent. So you have to consolidate and be able to at least stop goals from going in and stop being cut open so you know defensively so badly. And then build from there, especially if you don't have your striker. You have to build from the back at that point in time. And right now, Atlanta added or caught betwixt in between. I don't necessarily think that 3-5-2 would be the the fix to that. Because the players that Atlanta added had when they were most successful with the 3-5-2 are no longer here. Yeah. Uh, and before we go to your mark real quick, uh, is that, I mean, I don't think we've necessarily looked absolutely horrible defensively. I think it's, you know, certain moments that we've looked, uh, you know, very susceptible but, uh, but also, we haven't played against good teams, and that's the scary part. We've played uh, defensively, we've looked okay. Yes, but we've they they created a lot more chances and got a lot more chances on target than we give them credit for. They could have scored more, and they didn't. Clearly, after their game against Columbus, they're not as good as we think they are, and we're not as good as we think we are. Mm-hmm. And they weren't like trying to attack Atlanta United. Columbus seems like a team that could absolutely do that. And can a team that can attack efficiently and effectively, I think, would cut Atlanta out into pieces right now. So I think defensively, yes, you do have problems against bigger teams because they will punish you for being caught in the weird, wacky positions that Atlanta United is being caught in right now. And teams aren't punishing them for it. Yeah, I think, yeah, we saw the punishment against Club America, and that's, yeah, one of those examples. Uh, Mark? Yeah, I mean, I think aside from not having Joseph, I think the biggest problem area is the midfield. So, like, you know, regardless of, you know, whatever shape they decide on, they need some consistency and production from there. They need, you know, ball winning, they need control, they need uh, creativity out of the middle, somebody who can, uh, you know, unlock a team sitting deep with their passing. Um, I mean, yeah, the midfield's just been completely ineffective. So. Whatever the solution to that is, you know, maybe it's an extra man in midfield. I don't know, but uh, something has to be done. Yeah, no, I, I agree. Uh, it, you know, there needs to be more dynamism in the the midfield, uh, and that's all. Of course, always, uh, you know, what's lacking from a lot of I think uh, teams that are trying to get into uh, the place that they want to be. 
you know, their midfield is something lacking, uh, whether it's defensively, whether it's uh, goal scoring, whether it's control, whether it's, uh, you know, ball playing ability. I mean, it's something. And so, uh, yeah, for us, I mean, yeah, we might have to bring, yeah, three players in into it. And obviously that means, uh, you know, someone in the, the defensive back line will have to, uh, to maybe uh, depart. And that wouldn't be a three-man back line, and, you know, might work, though. Uh, okay, so last question comes from the guy, Isaac. Do y'all think that if we lose our third game, that maybe the front office is going to sack FDB? We'll go with Mark first. No, not off of uh, this tournament. Um, I think I think that DeBoer will be the manager at the beginning of 2021. I do think, you know, depending on how the rest of the year plays out, it might be his seat might be warm you know like i think uh, it's further we get away uh um you know uh, more time that elapses since our last success i think definitely the pressure will build so um but i think he's probably safe for the rest of the year yeah it's such a weird year it's uh yeah it'll be strange to maybe see uh fdb be let go for that but uh yeah tanner I would say the same thing. I mean, unless whatever does become the regular season, however many games that is, unless it's just an absolute, just god-awful shitty mess where everything falls apart and just end of the world type stuff, when it just is like Jose Mourinho levels of bad, like that would maybe be sacking. But I do not see things being like being that bad. Like, I just don't think it's possible. And like you said, it's a weird year. It's like you have to give him a little bit of breathing room given everything that's happened. And then you see what happens at the beginning of the next season. But I think that assuming everything's fine and you have a real, you know, an actual 2021 season that's not, you know, messed up and it's back to normal uh, or whatever that will be when that happens. Um, you know, I think that he'll, that's going to be his time to prove it. Cause that's three years into a four year deal. And if you know, you haven't won anything year two and you still look bad year three, then maybe it's time to move a different direction. All right. So, uh, that does it for the mailbag and pretty much the entire show, except for the question of the day. And so the question of the day is, what do you think of it? What do you think is Atlanta United's biggest issue right now? Let us know in the comments below. We're interested in seeing what you have to say. So that's the show. Remember to subscribe to us if you haven't already. Share this episode and leave us a review and rating so we can pop up higher in your rankings. And for Tanner and Mark, I'm AJ. Thanks so much for listening.